the 119th Psalm. This message, I had an, a whole nother one all ready to go. All ready. And we were doing our family altar last night. And we read the last eight verses of this. We, we used the scripture reading for our family altar. And the Lord so immensely impressed that this sermon, and, and if you've ever taught or, or preached, and I know Brother Crowder can attest this, some of them just flow out. I mean, they just flow out. And some of them you really wrestle with. Sometimes the ones that flow out and study, very difficult to preach. And the ones that you wrestle with, you preach real well. And sometimes the ones that flow out, you preach well. But we want to look tonight, and I really didn't know what to call it. I try to have a, I don't really pray too much about titles. But I try to have a title that deals with the message. So I want to look at what God does with His Word. What God does with His Word. And we're in the 171st verse. Psalm 119, 171. I'm not going to read the whole psalm. Uh, the setting of it is, is it's a psalm about the Word of God. And, and if you've been reading this with us, or if you've studied it, you remember it, there, I don't know another passage of Scripture that lifts up the Word of God like the 119th Psalm. That's right. So let's read verse 171. The writer says, My lips shall utter praise when thou hast taught me thy statutes. In this verse, David, I believe the human author of this psalm, manifests what God's Word, or what God does with His Word. The Bible teaches us that God's Word does many things. In Isaiah 55, we find and we're taught, and this is something that we don't understand that God's Word never returns to Him void. Isn't that something? It may not do outward things like we think, but it never returns void. Now there's things you and I would like it to do. And it may be doing those very things. The Bible teaches us that the Word of God is what is used by the Spirit of God, by the Christ, and by the Father to draw sinners unto Jesus that they might be saved. And I'm convinced that the Lord, because they're afar off, He may draw some over time, not that He saves them over time, He saves them instantly, but He draws them over time. And I don't know if you've ever pulled on a rope and sometimes you've got to pull and pull and pull. And then sometimes you just kind of heave away and pull it right to you. Sometimes God will just pull them right to them right quick. In my case, it did not take Him five years. He took five years to draw me unto Him, where I was conscious of it. But in Isaiah 55 and verse 11, it says, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. And the, this whole 66 books has come out of His mouth. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void. Notice that. That is the promise of God. It shall not return to me void. But it shall accomplish that which I pleased. 
Not what you please. Not what it pleases me. Not what pleases the church. But what pleases Him. And it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Do you remember in Egypt when Moses went to Pharaoh? Now Pharaoh had already hardened his own heart. And every time Moses went to him and told him what God said, what happened? His heart was hardened, wasn't it? And God had told them, I'm going to harden his heart. So when the Word of God came through Moses to Pharaoh, it, as the Bible says, it prospered in the thing whereto I sent it. He sent the Word to harden Pharaoh's heart because it pleased him to do it. And he didn't tell us why it pleased him to do it. But it did. And you know, before the Lord saved me, my heart got hard. And I hardened it, and He hardened it, so He could break it. And take it away and give me a new one. He didn't just say, come in and say, I'll just swap them out. No, He hardened it, and it made Him more glorious. Or, it didn't make Him more glorious but revealed how glorious He is through the hardening of it. And He reveals how sinful we are when He does harden that heart. God's Word is manna to our souls. It re- it, it, we were talking about this uh, before the message and before the services tonight, that God's Word removes... of all decisions that you and I will have to make. There's only one decision that the Bible says that the child of God has to make. Choose you this day whom ye will serve. That's it. Are we going to choose to serve Him or not? And if we choose to serve Him, all the decisions have already been made. They're right in His Word. We don't have to guess. We don't have to think. We just have to find out in this book what we're to do. And then do it. His Word dictates to us what is pleasing and glorifying unto Him. And so let's, with those thoughts in mind, let's turn over back to our text of 119th Psalm and verse 171. And And I try not to call the Psalms chapters because they're properly not chapters. But I'm not dogmatic about it. So if you ever call them a chapter, that's fine. It's just not biblically accurate. So that's a little tease there. But in the 119th Psalm in verse 171, it says, My lips shall utter praise when thou hast taught me thy statutes. Well, first of all, as you may be aware of, I like to define things so we know what we're talking about. And the first thing I want to define here is when thou hast taught me. The word taught, <coughs> as I understand it, and again, this is Strong's, well, how Strong refers to it and And he gives a lot of different things. And I like having a lot of different definitions because it gives a great big picture of it. But it means to goad. And you know what it is to goad? It's where you prod something along. So we look at this verse and it says, When thou hast prodded me along in thy statutes, would be how that would be rendered, so to speak. It means to teach. And he had written in there, sometimes by the rod. Sometimes by the rod. To be taught means to be instructed or skillful, which means to be filled with skill or to be expertized, that is, to be made an expert. Think about that. That God is filling us with skill. And not just to sit here and point out doctrine, but to navigate this life successfully for His glory. 
The next word I wanted to look at, impressed of the Lord, when thou hast taught me thy statutes. Not statue, not a, a figure, but statutes is in a, a, a law. And the word statutes it may also be uh, rendered that which is appointed. God appointed this. That which is bound, which is it's very binding to us. That which is a custom or a decree or a law. That which is necessary. And I also found that it may be rendered that which is convenient. Do we understand that God's Word is convenient? It's not convenient to the flesh, is it? But it's convenient to the Lord and to our spiritual life. God's Word, the Bible says, Jesus spoke, Come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. That's what He says to sinners. But to those that come to Him, He says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me for, not in order to, but because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He said in 1 John 5 and verse 3 that His commandments are not grievous. So, the opposite of grievous would kind, would sort of be convenient, wouldn't it? And he says here that statutes means that which is convenient. You know, I have found that when I have tried to sidestep the Word of God, when I have gone, knew what it said, and tried to shortcut it because it was more convenient to do so, it ended up not being very convenient. Doesn't doesn't work, does it? So we want to look at this with these thoughts in mind. So there, there's our text. There it is just to give you some broader concepts of it. And then secondly, he states here in the 171st verse, My lips shall utter praise when thou hast taught me thy statutes. David notes that it is God who teaches him. And would to God that you and I would realize that it is God who is teaching us as well. Now we don't mean this in the same sense that the church of Rome means it, that their priest who stands before them and gives their liturgy or homiletics or whatever that it is that he printed off from some computer sent down from the seven hills of Rome, but that it is the Lord God who teaches us through the preaching and teaching of His Word. Paul wrote unto the church at Thessalonica that they had done very well because when they heard the Word of God, they received it not as the Word of men, but as it truly is the Word of God. And isn't it sad when God's men preach and some will receive it and some won't for whatever reason. I've heard two different preachers preach the same thing. And I've heard some people say when one preacher preached it because they had a personal bias against that individual, they would not receive it. And when the other one preached the same thing, they received it because they had a personal bias for that preacher. And they were both the Word of God. God help us from such. Because it is God who is doing the teaching. We have to do the preaching, but it's God who does the teaching. See, I can't make anybody learn anything. Brother Crowder can't make anybody learn anything. The Sunday school teachers, you as a church member, cannot make someone learn something. And I believe that we are always teaching. We're always teaching. Every, you know, they, 
they, the new phrase, or it's been around for a few years now, is that, well, we had a teaching moment. Well, they're all teaching moments. They're all teaching moments. Sometimes we just teach the wrong things. And we do that with our actions. Sometimes our actions teach contrary to our words. But never is that so with the Lord. His actions always teach what His Word says. Always. There is no division in Him. He doesn't straddle a fence. His teachings are very clear. When I was in the police academy, we were taught the ABCs of communication. I've always tried to do that in everything. And you ask my wife, she'll say you're terrible at it. As most spouses are with one another. But the ABCs of communication are this. Accuracy, which means to tell what happened. Brevity, which means to do it quickly. And then clearly, which means to not muddy the water. Well, God is very good at ABCs of communication. You know, His Word isn't difficult. Isn't it marvelous that children who don't necessarily believe on salvation, but they can understand what God's Word says? Isn't it something that Jesus likened that those, yet you must have childlike faith. You know what childlike faith is? It's where you accept it because that's what it says. God, He teaches on that level, doesn't He? Even the big doctrines that end in T-I-O-N. He teaches at that level, doesn't He? Listen to this. God teaches in a number of ways. Turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Remember when God brought Israel out? And they weren't in the wilderness when He started this. They were on the journey. And and they weren't wandering. They were on the journey to Egypt. And God had some things that He was going to do and teach them to prepare them for warfare and battle and then to be proper inhabitants of the land. One of the things he did was he took them out where there was no food. And you know why he did that? It tells us right here. Deuteronomy 8.3 And he humbled thee. Oh, God will humble us, won't he? And he humbled thee and suffered. You know another way to render the word suffered? Permitted. God permits things to take place, doesn't He? And permitted thee to hunger. You mean to tell me that God would let His people get hungry? He sure did, didn't He? And now He didn't let them starve to death. But He let them get hungry and fed thee, so He fixed the hunger issue and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not. I'm not going to go into all the things about manna, but neither did thy fathers know that. Now here's the reason. That he might make thee know. He was teaching them something, wasn't he? And God, he might make you hungry. He might make you hungry as well. I, and, 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 and I don't want you, your minds to wander in any way, shape, or form about this. But I've known churches who did not recognize what a great gift God had given them and the man who was preaching before them and he removed them and he caused them to hunger spiritually. Isn't that something? 
Now, I'm not, I'm just, that's one of the ways he'll cause people to hunger is spiritually. We go on and it says that he might make thee to know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Isn't that a marvelous thing that he did? I mean, they weren't dropping dead because they were hungry. They got hungry and then he fed them and he did it in such a way to make thee know something. But you're to live by what I say. He brought them out of Egypt and he was getting them to go into the land and he told them in Leviticus 18, don't you do what you saw in Egypt and don't you do what you're going to see in Canaan. You do what I tell you to. Not all of them learned it, didn't they? No, the Lord is a wonderful teacher. My mother was a public school teacher and I remember in the summer she would go and she would take in-services and she would learn different methods of teaching. And they've got different ones. One of the ones that uh, we've used is called the Charlotte Mason uh, teaching. It's a style is what it is. And <clears throat> the reason I said that is because God uses many different teaching methods. Because He knows you, and He knows you, and He knows you, and He knows me, and He knows everyone here, and He knows how to teach. Now, He's not going to do the learning for you. That's your responsibility. And that's my responsibility. But He will do the teaching. Now, the Lord has many different ways. In fact, the Bible says David was rebuked by a woman and she stated unto David, Yet doth he, that is the Lord, devise means. God uses means to do His teaching. In fact, if you'll turn over to our text of the 119th Psalm and then go back 100 verses to verse 71, you'll find that the Lord used affliction to teach His servant David. Psalm 119 and verse 71. David said, It is good for me that I have been afflicted. This is not chastisement. It is affliction. This is not talking about with him and Uriah's wife, Bathsheba. This is talking about just afflictions where God afflicts us. He said, It is good that I have been afflicted that I might learn thy statutes. What was God's teaching method? Affliction. You ever been afflicted? God's trying to teach you something. Teaching moment. You know, they used to have them school bells. You know, they'd ring the school bell. It meant school's in session. You're afflicted. God's ringing that school bell. School's in session. He's going to teach you something. Are you learning? Are you ready to learn? We find that God does use chastisement to teach. In fact, He uses His church to chastise or discipline church members to teach them that their conduct, their behavior, their attitude, and their thinking will not be tolerated by God. It's not to make them feel bad. It's not to cause them to leave the church any more than when you chastised your children. It was to put them out of the house and out of the family. But some people's pride gets in the way, doesn't it? The purpose of church discipline that God uses it for is to correct behavior, attitudes, thinking, and conduct. And to bring it into holiness. Because God cannot be glorified with this behavior. And so we're being corrected. God uses parents 
to teach. If we think that in the one hour, which isn't even an hour, it's about 30 minutes, that our children can get all the biblical teaching in 30 minutes a week, we've got some issues. And I know that there are people who go to their children's Sunday school teacher and they say, my kid's doing this. What have you been teaching them? And the Sunday school teacher rightly replies, what have you been teaching them? You got them a lot more time than I do. The Bible says that the church is a place of teaching. He said in the Great Commission, as Brother Crowder read it, that all authority and power is given unto Jesus Christ. And we're to, because of that authority, we're to go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things. All things whatsoever I have commanded you. Teaching them to observe. Not just teaching them what it says, but teaching them to observe it. How to observe it. We're very good at telling people what God says, but we are not very good at telling people how to do what He says. And I made this statement last year before the Bible camp to the teachers. Do not tell me to love my wife as Christ loved the church and gave Himself for it. I already know that. I want to know how to do it. That's what I want to know. And so we have a twofold duty of teaching. We have to teach what God's Word says because a lot of people who should know what it says don't know what it says. So they have to be first taught what it says and then they have to be taught how to do it. That's a tall order, isn't it? And it's not something that the church of the living God should take lightly. Because that's the commission. That's the commission. And to the church, which is a means in and of itself, God has given means to the church. In fact, in Ephesians 4 and verse 11, one of the offices he's given on the church is called pastor teachers. That's the same office. So he's given pastors to that end. They're not the only teachers, but they are to be teachers. In fact, I believe, if I remember correctly, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, one of the qualifications of a bishop is that he's to be apt to teach. Apt to teach. Turn over to Colossians chapter 3 for a moment. Colossians chapter 3. And I <clears throat> I informed Brother Frankie of this. We were having a family devotion, family altar time some time ago, and I'm not going to name the name, but one of my kids started crying. I said, what's wrong? And the child said that they were just very broken up over the family altar. I said, well, well, you know, and I was excited because I, a little bit of me was, well, what verse was it? He said, oh, it wasn't any verse. It was a song we sang. And the child said, boy, those songs just tear me up. Well, Colossians 3 and verse 16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. You realize that when we sing, we're teaching one another? We're teaching one another and admonishing one another. The song service is not just warming up for the preacher. It's a time of teaching and admonishing. To that end, let's look at that hymn, 323, Standing on the Promises of God. 
<clears throat> I don't know if you, I'm sure that you do. You ever just stop singing audibly in the church and just start reading the words? Contemplate them. We did a devotional some years ago in Kansas where we, we went through some of the songs in the hymnal. And they're tremendous. And, and I tell you what, well, the first ones we did were I looked up all the Isaac Watts hymns there were in that hymnal, and we looked at every one of them. That man could write some hymns. But I want you to look at. And, and the songwriter is building, building here. But look at verse 3. Standing on the promises of Christ the Lord. Well, we have to do that. We're being admonished to stand on the promises of Jesus Christ the Lord. The anointed of God. The deity of Christ. To stand on His Word. Not stagger, but stand. Then he says, bound to Him eternally by love's strong cord. Isn't that something? We're bound to Him eternally. And we're bound with the cord of love. You know where he got that? Book of Jeremiah. We're bound to Him. Do you know, realize whatever happens to Christ, whatever things that God is doing with the Christ, it's going to happen to us. We're joint heirs with Him. Our futures, our everything is connected with Him. And let me say this, if I step down voluntarily from God's promises, or if someone knocks me off of His promises by discouragement, I'm still bound to Him eternally, aren't I? Then he says this, overcoming daily with the Spirit's sword. What's the Spirit's sword? The Word of God. How often are we to overcome daily? How do we overcome? With the Spirit's sword. And you take the Spirit's sword and standing on the promises, we are standing on God's Word Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Every day, you're to overcome all things with the Word of God by standing on His promises. And that's something. See, God is teaching us His statutes this way. In fact, we found out a little research in studying about teaching that there's part of your brain that learns one way in song and then learns one way in spoken word. Boy, God knew that we needed to learn by singing as well as by the spoken word. What parts of our service do we have? The singing and the spoken word. Isn't that something how true science has found out God? Isn't that something... And God took those two methods and He put them in His service of worship that we might be taught these things. We're also taught, and I think this is God who's doing the teaching, but in John 14, verse 26, the Bible says that He would send the Comforter and He would teach us all things. And He would bring things to our remembrance. You ever been in a pickle? And the Word of God comes to your mind. You know who that is? Spirit of God. It's not your mind. You didn't think of it. It's the Spirit of God who brought that to your remembrance. And He is to be praised for doing that. Because that's His office work. Now, I also am a firm believer that the Spirit of God will not bring to our minds that which our minds have not contained. If you are not reading God's Word, there is nothing for Him to bring to mind. There's nothing there. 
There's no you know, bank or file for him to go through the filing cabinet and pull out a verse. Say, here. I think he's looking in the file and going, damn, Brother Hilly, he didn't fill up his cabinet with Scriptures. See, I know Brother Crowder, he's very frustrated with his mind right now. But you know the Spirit of God can overcome that? That Brother Crowder's testified that he has. He's gone to the jail several times lately and just things just come right together, don't they? That's the Lord. That's the Lord doing that. He can overcome physical problems. My grandmother, Mamaw, dad's mom, when she was in the nursing home late in her life and you'd go and see her and she'd say, when's, when's Brother Hilly getting here? And I'd tell her, I'd say, which one? There's, there's four of us. She'd say, when Harry, when's Harry going to be here? I said, Mamma, Grandpa's been with the Lord since 1984. She says, oh, he is. Oh, he is. And then the other person she asked for was Tim, which is my dad. But even in her states of mental frailty, and it was not Alzheimer's and it wasn't dementia, it was just she'd gotten old. So one of the things she did as far as I, when I was the last time I got to visit her in this life, she was still able to read her Bible and I remember sitting there with her and we were reading scriptures together. And she says, hold on a minute. She'd turn over to a passage of scripture and she read it out loud. And she goes, that's what I thought it said. And it was in agreement with what we were reading. You see, the Spirit of God can overcome those things. Because He's supernatural, isn't He? He hath devised means... And he knows what method and he knows what sub-teacher that you and I stand in need of. He knows we stand in need of every one of them. And we know that affliction and chastisement and parents and the church and the pastor teachers and the Sunday school teachers and other ministers and song leaders and songs and hymns that the congregation is singing or special singing and the Holy Spirit are all working harmoniously to teach His people. No wonder the Lord Jesus Christ told the angel to tell John to write unto the seven churches of Asia, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Are you listening? Then I'd like you to notice that David says in our text of 119th Psalm in verse 171, Psalm 119, verse 171, he says, My lips shall utter praise when thou hast taught me thy statutes. I want you to understand here that the God of this universe who is not able to be contained by the heavens, that this earth is His footstool, that He, because it pleased Him, is teaching you. He's teaching you. That God has condescended to teach me. Me who am the least of all saints. Me who is the, of the dust of the earth. Me who that God was mindful of me to teach me His holy statutes. Me who am reputed as nothing. Me who is not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which Thou hast shown unto Thy servant, 
is who he's teaching. If that doesn't humble us, I don't think anything will. God is teaching me who cannot discern it because of myself. We are so often like the Ethiopian eunuch. Who is he speaking of? But by his spirit, he gives discernment. You know, the expression, it's Greek to me. Well, if it weren't for the Spirit of God, all the Bible would be Greek to you. You can't learn it without the Spirit of God. You can't learn it without God teaching it to you. I'm afraid some men have learned it by themselves and of men and not of God. And it explains the wishy-washiness and how they're blown about with every wind of doctrine and the situational theology that they hold. But when God teaches it, they'll be firm and grounded and settled in the truth. Like a tree that's planted by the waters, they shall not be moved. No, we need God to teach us. I'd like you to note next that He teaches verse 171. Not only is it God who's teaching, not only is He teaching me, and I, I wish I could emphasize the me more. Not to glorify me or you, but to just who that me really is. But we have to press on. And the Bible says that He teaches us, or Thou hast taught me Thy statutes. You know, this is the only thing that God teaches are His statutes. He not teach any other statutes. You know, the Jews taught Judaism, which was a perversion of what God gave them. We have the traditions of men. And you know, there's a lot of traditions that men are teaching in Baptist pulpits today. And there's a lot of traditions that people in Baptist pews are believing. And they're not His statutes or thy statutes. There's supposed to be a comparison. That's why we hold up the Bereans because they searched the Scriptures daily whether those things were so. The only thing that the Lord teaches is the Word of God, His statutes. Look at verse 172. He says, My tongue shall speak of thy word. Now notice something about His statutes. Here... The word is commandments. For all thy commandments are righteousness. You realize God only teaches righteousness? He doesn't teach unrighteousness. He teaches righteousness. That which is right. He doesn't teach false ways. He only teaches right ways. Some men preach false doctrines. For their own good. Some men do it because they're afraid. Some men do it because as uh, diatrophies, they are trying to dominate in the church instead of submitting unto the will of God. But the Lord teaches us His Word. The Lord teaches His statutes and His commands He teaches His way. He teaches His convenient way. Do you know God's way is convenient? Do you know that every other way of not doing things God's way is inconvenient? It's inconvenient to worship God contrary to the Scriptures, isn't it? It's inconvenient to support the Lord's work contrary to to through the giving of tithes and offerings and free will offerings. It's inconvenient. It's inconvenient to carry on the worship services any other way than this. Because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. (coughs) 
God has statutes pertaining to salvation, church membership, godly living, holiness, devout lives, consecrated living, church polity, the home. There's not one subject that He does not deal with in His statutes. Not one. Not one area that you will ever come to in your life. God's Word doesn't say something about it. And it is the high and exalted privilege we have to find it out in Scriptures. Now then, let's come to this. As we said, what God does with His Word. So He's doing all of this. He's teaching His statutes. And then, as we conclude tonight, verse 171 He says, My lips shall utter praise when thou hast taught me thy statutes. This is the end result of God teaching us his statutes. Our lips uttering praise. Isn't that something? He's glorified. And this is again, this is the end of everything, the glory of God. So He's teaching us His statutes so that we will praise God, glorify God. We sing a chorus a lot of times and it goes, I'm sure you've heard it before, you know, hallelujah, 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 and then everybody screams, praise ye the Lord. Well, David says, my lips shall utter praise. He said, you taught me thy statutes, and my lips will utter praise. Not another's. Mine. Ever thank God for Him for, for you being shown some things? There are ample things in the Scriptures that I've discussed with people, sat down, tried to disciple them and point out these things. I say, well, yeah, but... And you know when you have that but, you know what comes after that but? Zero praise for God. Zero praise. I want you to look, step back from the text of the verse and look back to the previous two verses. And notice what he says in verse 169. Let my cry come near before Thee, O Lord. Give me understanding according to Thy Word. Let my supplication come before Thee. Deliver me according to Thy Word. So in the previous two verses, David is talking about crying and supplicating, isn't he? But when God then, through the crying and the supplicating, and He asked God to deliver him according to the Word of God, And so what does God do? He teaches him the Word of God and the crying and the supplication are now turned into praise. No more crying. No more supplication. Praise. And you know, isn't that going to be the culmination of our lives? Here on this earth, we cry and supplicate. But you know what we're going to do in heaven? The Bible even says that eventually every tear is going to be wiped away. You know what we're going to do? We're going to praise Him eternally. So this is not only a picture of what we're going to do now, it's a picture of the whole thing. Crying and supplicating now, praise to come when He teaches us His statutes. He's, he's teaching us now. I don't know, you know, some people say, one day we'll, we'll, we'll understand it completely. I don't think I've found that verse yet. I don't think necessarily that God's going to sit us down and say, here's why I did what I did. He doesn't owe us that. He doesn't owe us anything. I don't think we're going to really be too all concerned about it when you're confronted with the full glory and majesty of God. There's going to be praise going on. Because we're going to be there with Him. We're going to be like Him.
won't be any need to learn statutes anymore, will there? We'll just be praising Him perfectly. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, verse 15, that the fruit of our lips, it's a sacrifice giving praise unto Him. Now, I should understand, some people just, that's all they do is give God lip service. There's not a person in this room who has not given Him lip service. But by God's grace, there are times when it has come forth from a heart of belief. And I think those times are fewer than we actually realize. Where we have truly, purely praised Him. And I don't say that to make us feel bad. I say that for the reality of it. We don't praise Him like we think, like not like we ought to, but I don't think we praise Him like we think we do. I mean, sometimes we really think we're, we're really doing something for God. We ain't doing anything because it's all just emotional outwardness. So may God, through the teaching of His Word, turn our crying and supplication into praise. In fact, that's the only way He does it, isn't it? And there have been times when I've been just overwhelmed with this life and cried. I'm not a physical crier, but you can cry without physical crying. But crying and supplicating to God for self or interceding for others. And here comes the Word of God to my memory. And that supplication and crying turns to praise. That's how He does it. What a wonderful, wonderful God we have. His ways are past finding out. I'd have never thought of that. On that, to turn someone's crying and someone's supplicating into praising through teaching them something. I'd never thought of that. But he did, didn't he? You know, we got to work 